0: What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results. And it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make AMO work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah rah shish tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, AMO shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard earned money you make through book sales. Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what i have been doing the past couple of weeks to get my book into more libraries and what has been working for me that i didn't even know was working for me until i checked some statistics a couple of days ago so the the couple of days ago statistics is kind of i think the center of this podcast and i'm going to talk more in depth about it in the coming weeks but Find Away voices is a really special place for authors This is TRBM, a podcast for authors who are serious about earning a full-time living selling books to readers. I'm the host, Jody J. Sperling, and each episode, I'll share with you practical tips on marketing and selling your books. And I won't hold anything back. Sometimes I fail. Every time I do, you'll know it. Sometimes I succeed. And when I do, I'll give you my step-by-step replay so you can succeed too. Thanks for listening. you can't be part of find away voices unless you have an audiobook to upload into their catalog you can't be part of find away voices if you have an exclusive deal with audible i caution you strongly do not under any circumstances under any circumstances i plead and i beg with you do not have an exclusive deal with audible seems like a great deal on the front of it because you can get an audiobook done for free If you're not watching this right now, I am making the most ridiculous air quotes possible because free is a lie. Every single time you see the word free, it's a lie. There's something behind it that is pulling the strings and taking control out of your hands and putting it in the giver hands. Okay. So Audible, in this case, gives you uh, a narrator for free. They narrate that book. But then for six years, five years, they own exclusive rights. You can't do anything with that audiobook. It belongs only in the audible service. And that's cool because you can get some sales. There's also the fact that the narrator is going to take a huge chunk of your profits. Audible is going to take a huge chunk of your profits and you're just going to be left with a pittance. So don't do it. Going wide is far preferable in every case. I will argue this in a couple different ways. You may have listened to my last conversation with Will Gray when we discussed the, the merits of being in KU. I kind of think of that like Disney and I don't know if they still do this because of Disney Plus, but they used to have all of their animated films in a cycle and then they would go into, I think it was called moratorium <laughs> and those, those movies would disappear. You couldn't get them. You couldn't buy them unless you could find a used copy somewhere and they would just be dormant for a period of time. So, I think of KU as being a version of Disney where you may find some benefits in going for a six-week burst on KU. And that means you actually have to pause all of your outside channel sales to go exclusive with KU. It's not a terribly hard thing to do. You just have to understand where your book is being distributed because if Kindle catches you trying to do KU but also being wide, you can get banned from KDP entirely. And that's just not a great place to be. So don't do that for sure. You want your books to be wide, available on Kindle, available on Audible, but also available wide. There are a couple of times when it might be beneficial to just be with Kindle and KU or never, 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 never the audiobook deal though with Audible. That's just not, no, never, never. So Find Voices is a wide distribution platform. And what it does so well is that it has curated the top places where people can listen to your audiobooks. So go ahead and jack your headphones right into this book here. Uh, I'm holding Nine Lives of Marvin Longhive for any of you who are not watching but just listening. And pull up Spotify. Pull up Walmart.com. Pull up uh, BarnesandNoble.com. Pull up... Uh, Overdrive, Libby, Audible, um, any of those apps, Hoopla, Libro FM, where audiobooks are distributed and Find Voices will have distributed it to those places for you. A good example of this, and, and this is going back to the beginning of the episode, uh, I didn't even know that Find Voices had distributed my book to something called Bibliothek or biblioteca or something. I know biblioteca is library. I know that because Adam Sandler did a joke on one of his albums about biblioteca and ayúdame, ayúdame, <laughs> if you know, you know. But also I study Spanish. Um, I love the Spanish language. I'm not gonna try to speak any of it for you right now because my head will go completely blank, but I've been studying it for uh, just about a year now. And I did that a couple of years ago where I studied it for a year and then fell off. I have a fairly decent catalog of Spanish in my head. I think I might possibly be able to hold a a conversation like a child would. I've gotten off topic. So in this case, the Bibliotheca thing is actually German. And there are nine libraries in Germany that have purchased my audiobook. I didn't ask them to do that. I didn't know what was happening. It was just because it was available in Findaway Voices and they distributed it to a partner that picked it up. I've also gotten a handful of sales through other channels that I didn't know were being distributed to. I didn't, I didn't do any work other than putting in Findaway Voices. Uh, and right now that has generated me a grand total of $30. <laughs> this is not huge, but having it there, Sets the table, sets the stage for a great thing, and that is getting into libraries. So now my book is available in Hoopla. My book is available in OverDrive as an audiobook. My book is available at all of the aforementioned channels, but specifically Hoopla and OverDrive, Libby, because those are the libraries' uh, collections and. I'm about a month in arrear, so I will get information and data on this right now, but I know that my book has been acquired through Overdrive with several libraries. That is going to be about a $10 sale for each time that happens. And then pay-per-click with Hoopla is going to be just around a half a buck, so it's not huge. But if you get a ton of listeners at the library, if you drive interest, if you drive uh, readership, listenership, you're going to get a massive impact eventually. I think that um, I liken libraries to grassy prairies. Okay, you can find so many of them. They're vast. And at first glimpse, they might not be beautiful. But when you understand what they do and how they work, they can be the spark that ignites a grass fire. And if you know anything about grass fires, they are the fastest burning fire known to man. Forest fires are awesome destructive (laughs) in that they get really hot and they consume whole trees and, and animals and birds and it's very destructive. But forest fires don't tend to be quite as quick as grass fires because forest fires have a lot of fuel to consume. And I know I'm kind of giving like agency to fire, like it has thoughts. It doesn't. I don't understand the science behind it. It doesn't move quite as quickly because of that fuel that it has. It, it it localizes and it burns hotter right here. But with a grass fire, because it burns the grass so quickly, it's like a torch. It just, bam, goes really, really quick. And I think of libraries that way. Not beautiful until you understand what you're looking at and extremely potent in a quick manner to spread vastly. Get your books in a library collection and uh, a book club starts reading it. When a book club reads it, you have this unique opportunity that a lot of authors might not get, where people are reading with an eye to conversation. And when you read with an eye or a mind to conversation, you engage with the material differently, whether you're reading a novel or a biography or a textbook. If you read with a mind on conversation, you really get a connection with the book. And so in my case, uh, The Nine Lives of Marvin Longhi might be something that is purchased online when the uh, reader knows nothing about me. And they probably will like it because it's a well-written book. I took the time to make a great story, to edit it, to proofread it, to get the cover designed by a professional graphic designer. She's also married to me in this case, so it didn't cost me out of pocket for that, but trust me, I've spent plenty on this stupid book. (laughs) Oh, rough, man. And that sets the stage for somebody to like the book, but if you buy it, you read it, you like it, boom. Maybe you rate it on Amazon, Goodreads, whatever. I, I I know I do, just because I've always liked to to let the world know how many books I read and stuff. I was I was rating books long before I understood what it did for authors. But um, there's so many books that I've read and enjoyed and given decent like star ratings on Goodreads that I don't even remember who the author is. I just picked up the book, read it, liked it, boom, done. Okay pleasurable experience. What happens when you get into a book club is that you go deeper with the reader. So I'm going to pull off the shelf here right next to me. If you're not watching, I have a bookshelf behind me. You can't even see it on screen. But this book, The Border of Paris by uh, but Paradise, Paris, The Border of Paris, Paris is paradise. Boom. Okay. Esme Weijong Wang. Yeah. If you notice, I didn't actually even look at her name. I remember this book very well. Because I read it for a book club with my friend Jeff, uh, a handful of other people. I miss that book club. But, um, you know, (laughs) the funny thing about the book is that it actually wasn't one that I loved. Uh, I was somewhat critical of it. I felt like pacing wasn't great. Character development was if, like ish, if ish. But I remember her. I remember the discussion. And I bought her next book, even though I didn't love her first one. Because there was this deep connection with that book. And it's on my shelf in my office. I don't have much shelf space up here. Uh, I have uh, one slender, slim bookshelf that has about a dozen books per shelf. And it's six high. And then I have the one that's on my standing desk. And that's literally two shelves. It has Dennis Johnson. It has Roberto Bolaño. It has David Foster Wallace. And it has Bernard Malamud. Those are my four most influential, favoritist authors. Also, uh, I do have Ethan Hawke's most recent book. Um, I can't see the title. A Bright Ray of Darkness. I actually think that title is horrible, but I love the cover art, and the book itself is brilliant. Uh, Ethan Hawke, Confession Time, is the only author whose book I have read in a single sitting. I did it twice uh, with his first book, which the title is evading me right now. I also did it the second time with his second book, Ash Wednesday, which wasn't as good as the first book, but uh, he's a great actor. I hear he's somewhat of a despicable man. I'm not going to make any judgments. I've never met him. I enjoy listening to his interviews on podcasts, etc. But the dude can write. Oh, his books are so good. His novels are really really good. And they might be of a time. I might go back and read them and think like, yeah, you know, it was great when I was a teenager and angsty and love, whatever, but I love his books. And so I do have his most recent book on this shelf up here as well. Um, I've gotten a little bit off topic, but what I'm saying here is that in so many cases, if you can get into a book club, You can create lasting memories in a super reader, somebody who is going to keep buying your books over and over so that your only job then is to write a great book. And when you get enough of those readers, they're going to be your best promotion. There's going to be a point where they recommend your book to everybody they know. It comes up in conversation naturally. They're thinking about it. And a lot of the promotion that you have to do yourself is going to be offloaded onto the reader. That's the dream and libraries of the grass fire that can do that for you. With a library, they can select that book and make it a book of the month or a book club pick. You're gonna get a ton of reads. It may be that it's on Libby, and so they only buy 20 or 25 copies of it, uh, and and that's not a massive like payday, but it's decent, it's something. Or it may be on Hoopla, and you get uh, 10,000 downloads just like that. Okay, so even though Hoopla may pay you fifty cents per download, uh, at ten thousand downloads, that's a reasonable paycheck. We're talking the biggest authors, the Stephen Kings. Um, they are getting ten thousand downloads a day, nationally, internationally, maybe more than that through the library systems. Passive income just flowing into their their bank accounts. We're not Stephen King yet, but if you're listening to this podcast, you might want to be Stephen King, and there's nothing wrong with that. I want to be Stephen King, not. Exactly. But I want to do what he does. And that's the journey we're on right now. But instead of having a publisher who does all of this stuff for us, we have to do some of the groundwork ourselves. So how easy is it that you can just upload a book into Find Away Voices and then have it distributed widely? And this kind of stuff can start to happen without you babysitting it. Then you really start to focus on that library distribution where you let libraries know that you're a local author, maybe. That's a great place to start. I'm a local author. I wrote this book. Uh, I set the book in uh, this environment, this place. That's a really good selling point, by the way. Uh, And I just want as many people to know about it as possible. Do you have any book clubs that might be interested in reading uh, a mystery? Yeah. Great. Okay. So there you go. That's how I got my second book club reading, The Nine Lives of Marvita Longhai. And my guess is that maybe some of them don't love it. Maybe some of them find it not like perfectly their cup of tea, just like with uh, The Border of Paradise, uh, Paris, (laughs) The Border of Paradise by Esme Weijong Wang. But they still might buy the next book and some of them are going to love it. And they're going to buy my next book, even though it's not part of the book club. They might even get it in multiple formats. And so that takes me to my next point. This is really focusing on what Findaway Voices can do for you. And so I think I have mentioned it probably a dozen times on the podcast, but I'll say it again. I highly prefer to listen and read with my eyes at the same time. I almost never, almost never read just with my eyes because I find it difficult after a long day to focus closely enough to get into the zone. Without audio in my ears. That's just the truth. Uh, and because of the magic of the phone, if I can get my hands on even an ebook, then I can just two finger swipe and uh, an AI voice will read it to me. Even though that's not a great performance, hearing it while reading it does a couple of things for me. It speeds up my read sp- uh, speed, which I'm a very slow reader when I'm reading exclusively with my eyes, uh, but it also just intensifies my dive into the book. So my preferred way is to have both things going at once. But like I said, I will listen to audiobooks. Um, I never listen to my favorite authors unless I also have their book. So the big thing here is double format. If a book is available on audiobook and paperback, that's my preference. I can't afford to buy both copies of every book that I have. So what I do is I have a library card. I actually have multiple library cards, by the way, so I am a patron at Lincoln Public Libraries, which has a reciprocal relationship with Omaha Public Libraries, so I'm able to hold both of those library cards legally. I also lived in Spokane for a number of years, and thank you, Spokane, you don't check that my address is no longer active, but I still hold my Spokane Public Library card. If you take it away from me because of this video, shame on you, shame on you. I just shouted you out. I love Spokane Public Libraries. Okay. Um, so I have that library card as well. I have a uh, front range libraries in Colorado. I used to live there. And so I knew an address that I could feed to the system that uh, people I know and love live at. And so, you know, <laughs> anyways, get as many library cards as you can, because every library has a slightly different collection and I have specific tastes. So I want to have the most opportunities to borrow books uh as I can. With that in mind though, as an author, you want to make sure that your potential readers don't have to do what I'm doing. You want to see that your book is in every library system. Then people only need one library card to listen, read you. Um, but multi-format, okay? Get the audiobooks into libraries because that is the typically most expensive format to acquire. So people tend not to buy a ton. Maybe they'll have a subscription to Audible. I think you get a credit a month for 10 bucks, which, you know, is what it is. If somebody's only reading, you know, 12 books a year, you're going to have a hard time getting on their list. Uh, You're going to have a hard time convincing them. For the people like me who read upwards of 150 books a year, I'll take a chance. Absolutely. But I'm not buying all those books. Absolutely not. I'm not buying those books. I'm not buying all those books. I'm listening to them through the library as a good citizen of the world who can't afford that much. Hopefully one day I can, but right now I certainly cannot. Um, and I use the library just it, 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 like avidly. Get in libraries. Use Findaway Voices. Your audiobook will be uploaded without you even having to do anything into Hoopla and any pay-per-click system. That takes away a ton of the work for you. Then you only just have to build awareness for library patrons that your book is out there, listen to it, enjoy it, love it. Overdrive's a different case. You're most likely going to have to request every single library uh, to buy your book for their Overdrive collection. That's going to be easier the closer you are to home. It gets more difficult as you spread out. I will say that fiction is a little bit easier than nonfiction in some cases here because all you have to do to prove that you are applicable to the patronage is that you're uh, in a genre that readers binge on and love and that you're writing quality books. It's not terribly hard. We talked about reviews a few episodes ago, so consult that episode for ways to build a little bit of credibility for yourself um, and go and just take advantage of that in any way that you possibly can. Now, I want to wrap up this conversation by saying that all of this is dependent on the quality of your work. That's how I started the library uh, series, and it's where I want to finish this episode again. I know you might feel a sense of desperation to be famous, to be in front of a million readers. And sometimes that sense of desperation can lead you to publishing unfinished work. I had a conversation with M.G. Heron, Matt Heron, a little while ago, uh, and he talked about the idea of, you know, multiple drafts doesn't necessarily make a book better. I agree and disagree with that. I think that there's a point where you've overworked something. Uh, You throw a piece of meat on the grill and there is an ideal moment to pull it off. You don't want to just leave it there. Cooking more does not improve the uh, final product. So draft wisely. But make sure that the quality of the book is up there so that when it is read by people they love it they hold it they feel that quality just every step of the journey it's great and i want to give you some homework i've been trying to give you homework for these library episodes so 0.1 homework my book right now should be available in your library catalog through overdrive you will be able to find it Um, it might not have been purchased in fact i almost guarantee it's not if you would do me this favor I would love you forever if that matters to you or you could just go to sleep tonight knowing that you helped a person um, request my book from your local library if you have a library card if you don't get a library card i guess that's point zero zero one uh homework if you don't have a library card go get one today don't delay if you have a library card request the nine lives of marvid longhai uh to your library's collection And I'm specifically asking you to do it with my audiobook because I believe that audiobooks right now are the greatest untapped potential, somewhat tapped, but they're the greatest potential for binging. A lot, a lot of people read most of their books as audiobooks. Um, So please do go out there and request wherever you are. If you're in Arkansas, like Joe Radke, please request the Audiobook from your library through Overdrive. You do need to have a library card in order to request things, but it takes a couple of seconds to get one. You can do it online. That's point zero one. Okay. Homework 1.0. If you don't have audiobooks, get audiobooks. We already talked about don't go exclusive with Audible. Findaway Voices actually has a narrator option, very similar to Audible, but it is wide distribution. So that would be the lowest point of entry. I wouldn't personally recommend it, but if your finances are such that you can't afford to pay upfront $500 per finished hour, which is what I paid for the lovely and talented XC Sands, then go ahead and do what you need to do to get the audiobook, Because long-term, that uh, artifact, that asset, could be the foundation of something huge for you. So that's 1.0. If you don't have your audiobook, use Findaway Voices, find a narrator, get your book up there, get the book recorded, get that done. If you can afford to pay for it, do so, but get your audiobook recorded. If you have an audiobook, homework uh, 1.1, I'm just going to get really challenging to remember my numbering system, is to upload it to Findaway Voices. So you might have the audiobook and don't know that Findaway Voices exists. It is www.find, way Voices, V-O-I-C-E-S, .com, Findaway Voices, okay? Upload it there. It will do mass distribution. I think I already said this, um, though I will let you know I recorded this entire podcast and realized that my iPhone didn't have enough space, so I had to delete a bunch of stuff, and this is round two, ding, ding. But anyways... Um, <laughs> shouldn't have, I shouldn't have gone on that tangent. If you are exclusive with Audible, do not, under any circumstances, upload <laughs> to Findaway Voices because you could get banned from all of Amazon. And selling your books on Amazon, while it is not a great place to be exclusively, is a wonderful place to be uh, in the list of wide distribution. A lot, a lot, a lot of readers use Amazon, Audible, uh, KDP, KU. Vella, So don't piss them off, (laughs) but don't go exclusive with them either. I mean, they are trying to twist your arm to make you be exclusive with them. And so they give you more than double the, uh, money if you're exclusive with them. But trust me in the long run, getting out to all of these libraries, getting out to all these other places, being wide, going to walmart.com, going to barnesandnoble.com, going to Libro.fm, all the different ways that you can get your books to readers will in the long run benefit you. There are times, like I said with Disney, where you can go exclusive for a while, but really, trust me, don't make an exclusive deal. So that's 1.1, I think, is uh, upload to Findaway Voices, as long as you're not already exclusively attached to Audible. 1.2 1.2 is you're already uploaded to Find Away Voices. Your book is already out there. It's distributed through Hoopla and other pay-per-click avenues is to start requesting libraries, pick it up via Overdrive. So build your email. It can be something really simple. It can be more complex. Go back and consult my episode with Eric Otis Simmons. He talks a little bit more in depth. You can also listen to his episode with Joanna Penn on uh, the Creative Penn podcast and and get more of an idea about the process. You can use his systems to get into libraries. There's a lot to love about what he's doing. Um, I will note again, it's very important that you know... Libraries do buy your book 2x. The reason they buy your book for double the price that it is retail is because once they own it in their OverDrive catalog, they don't have to uh, pay, again, to lend it. They can just keep lending that same copy, which means 50 people might read a copy of a book. So 2x ends up being a really great deal for them. So don't don't bring that price down. Libraries understand what they're doing. They will buy a 2x. They have the funding to do so. You just have to create the correct value proposition for why it belongs in the library. We'll do that in a later episode, building your value proposition, because it is something that really can help. Um, but that would be homework 1.2, I think, is uh, start to request. Your book in other libraries, and and along with that, just like I said, at, at point zero one or point one whatever, is the same way that I'm asking you to request your my book in your library. Find your friends who can request a a book in their library locally and uh, out through the country, even across the ocean, in Great Britain, Germany, places like that, have people request the book because when a patron of a library actually requests a book, chances it gets bought are 75% higher. Um, And that's a really easy way where you don't have to use that whole value proposition. You don't have to touch each library, but you just use your network of people. Which uh, part of 1.2, I guess, would be like 1.21 is make sure that you're kind to people. Make sure that you're giving and generous because people uh, will remember your kindness and your generosity and they'll give back. I know that that sounds like really selfish and double lifey. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but um, it's just a good way to live your life. If you're kind to people, even if you have ulterior motives, um, they're going to feel good when they interact with you and don't have ulterior motives if possible. It's hard not to when you're trying to make a living on your books. I understand. Sometimes I'm nice to people that it's hard to be nice to because I know that they might be able to reach somewhere I can't. A lot of times, most of the time, I'm nice to people because people deserve to be nice too. (laughs) So That would be the the easiest way is to reach out to your network and say, hey, do you have a library card? Please, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, please request this book from your library. Um, 75% chance it goes in. That's a lot of sales. Um, And so finally, homework 1.3, I've given you a lot of homework today is go ahead and start to build a list of book clubs, because we're gonna talk more in depth about book clubs. If all of the things that I've mentioned, you've already done, you've exhausted that, then start to build your list of book clubs, because you want to know where potential readers are. You don't want to connect with them yet. You just wanna know where they are, and we'll move forward with a robust list of book clubs and create a lot of noise, a lot of excitement for your books appreciate you thanks for joining me this lovely monday Um, and if you're listening after the fact whatever day it might be for you go get them Mm -hmm.